Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Trina Sideros, and I lead PwC's Health Research Institute. I'm also a consultant working with pharmaceutical and life sciences companies on vaccines and therapeutics. And I'm Igor Belikarnitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, and I help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. Trina and I are here today with Laura Vinches, who's a managing director in our firm's health transformation practice. Welcome, Laurie. Thanks so much for having me, Igor and Trina. Great. So this is a really fascinating topic. I was looking at some of the research around clinical trials and who typically participates in them. And there was a really interesting study published, I believe, back in 2018 in the journal Nature. And what it found, the research we're looking at, was trials at five time points of drugs that were approved by the FDA between 1997 and 2014. And what the researchers were looking at was the race of the folks involved in these trials. They were all pivotal efficacy trials. So one thing to know is they didn't look at ethnicity like Hispanic or non-Hispanic because the reporting was really inconsistent. So it wasn't easy to sort of break things down that way. But they did look at white, black, Asian, and other And what they found was that the median percentage of African and African-American participants per trial ranged from 1.8% to 3.5%. Asian participants were between 0% to 7%. And any other group or not described as white, black, or Asian was between 1.4% to 3.4%. So we can summarize that as very, very infrequently were folks that were not characterizable as white participating in these trials. And just as a measure... You know, 75% of the global population lives in Asia or Africa. So white folks are really overrepresented in these trials. Black and Asian people were underrepresented. So we're here to talk to Lori about why this matters and what's happening now inside pharmaceutical companies, because pharma companies are attempting to address these gaps. And in a way, the pandemic and some of the developments of recent years pre-pandemic have really made that change, possible and pressing, I would say. And so these changes are underway, and we're just really excited to talk to Lori about that. So Lori, I'll go ahead and ask, you know, Trina shared some data on participation in trial by race. Why does it matter? Well, it's really important to ensure that the differences in safety and efficacy of new treatments across racial, ethnic, gender, or socioeconomic groups are well understood. Diverse groups of patients must be enrolled in clinical trials. Different segments of the population are affected by diseases in different ways. So ensuring inclusiveness in clinical trials is a business and a societal imperative for pharmaceutical companies, and it's key to advancing overall health equity. So, Lori, why aren't trials more diverse? Why haven't they been more diverse? Why did those researchers find what they found? And I should add that those researchers were looking at race. But gender is also an issue in trials, like you noted. And so what's been going on? Well, as you rightly quoted some of the articles, and there's been a lot of literature and research published or serviced since the pandemic has really put a spotlight on this topic. There has been this gap in representation on characteristics, as you say. And while racial and ethnic minorities make up nearly 40% of the U.S. population and will be changing to the majority, they represent less than 20% of the participants in pivotal clinical trials. This has been the result of disparities in health and healthcare experiences that have resulted from deep-rooted barriers in the minds of potential trial participants and stakeholders across the clinical trial value chain. 
reasons for this are lack of trust, lack of information or awareness and education, not feeling comfortable with the providers or asking questions about clinical trials. And then a lot of these people, they just have less time or resources to actually make their way to participating in the clinical trials. Very interesting. And of course, step one is admitting that we have this problem here. What's next? Do you see a real change happening in the space now that we've acknowledged the issue? There is great momentum for change, as you said. As a result of COVID-19 and the catalyst for social justice over the last year and a half, this isn't a new topic. It's just become more visible. And with the U.S. diversifying so rapidly, it's a business imperative. There's much more awareness than ever before. Pharmaceutical companies and related stakeholders are addressing it, and regulatory agencies are addressing this as well. I think overall, everyone's taking a top-down and bottoms-up approach to resolve these inequities. So, Lori, I guess one question that I have is, what are you hearing from pharmaceutical companies? This isn't something that can change just overnight. There's a whole process. So what's driving their interest, first of all? How are they working on this? And where are they in the process, would you say? Pharmaceutical companies are addressing inclusive research in the C-suite from an ESG perspective and achieving overall health equity in society. They realize that for their products to be relevant now, And in the future, the patients that are enrolled in their clinical trials, they need to be much more representative of those who will be using and benefiting from their products. So they're developing strategic programs to drive inclusive research, putting leaders and teams accountable in place to make sure that the strategy is being executed and developing programs to monitor and measure progress. Companies have short-term and long-term initiatives being developed, and the plans are underway to meet these objectives. Some companies are less mature, they're still in the planning stages, while others have been successfully implementing community partnerships to reach more diverse populations and even using tech-enabled solutions. And for some clients that we're working with, there's much more emphasis on data-driven trial design to ensure inclusive research. Laurie, you mentioned that many organizations are putting leaders and teams in place to tackle this issue. What kind of challenges do you think they're going to encounter? They've got a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, Historically, there have been a lot of biased cultural foundations that need to be addressed to address all of these inequities across the clinical value chain and the partnerships that support clinical trial development. Building trust through the healthcare system, increased awareness through including sharing information about clinical trials in the community, providing resources and making clinical trial activities remote or virtual. So that makes it easier for patients to participate. In fact, we're hopeful that decentralized trials or remote trial activities are going to help achieve more inclusive research. So Lori, are other players involved? Is the FDA putting pressure? Are the payers putting pressure? Are physicians, providers putting pressure? Yes, the FDA has issued guidance to broaden the eligibility criteria to increase enrollment of underrepresented patient populations in clinical trials. The guidance includes high-level considerations and some tactical recommendations across the areas that we've been discussing today. They've even created resources through the FDA's Office of Minority Health and Health Equity. Also, provider and payer collaborations are working together to address equity in their communities, and value-based payment structures have the potential to further help reduce health disparities. Lori, most of our conversation today, as we talked about diversity, has been focused on racial disparities. What about gender representation in these trials? 
What's the role of that factor? Yes, gender representation is very important, equally important, as well as age. If we think about older adults or children, women, pregnant women, all of these factors and characteristics are important when we're looking at disease and the prevalence of that disease to ensure that patient populations that are targeted for these products are well represented in the trials. So overall, we know that people of different genders, ages, races, and ethnicities, they all may react differently to certain medical products. So Lori, I think one of the bright spots out of this conversation is that there really is a rethink underway in pharmaceutical companies about how these clinical trials are to be conducted and there are real tools to make that happen. And that's a really fantastic development. I know in particular with gender, there is real differences between how women and men and how their immune systems, for example, operate. And so these kinds of discoveries that will be made in clinical trials that are more diverse will be really helpful down the road. So thank you so much for talking to us about this. And I think this is one of those topics that we actually have some good news developments that we got to talk about. So thanks, Lori, for joining us. Thank you, Igor and Trina. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.